What up, ladies and gentlemen? My favorite day of the week. It's S H I T. So, so happy, happy it's Thursday. Thursday. And we got a good one for you guys here today. Here Whoop. we go. Shut up and sit down. The Business Bros Podcast was created for you. Learn from the business professionals who come to share their stories. Find out what's working in business and social media, what's hot and what's not, straight from the mouths of successful entrepreneurs out there doing the real work. And now, welcome to another episode of Business Bros. <laughs> Man, we got a harmonious. Show for you guys today. And James, it's fire intro time. Fire time. All right. All of you business pros out there, before the show, just a quick reminder to please subscribe on whichever platform it is that you're listening to us on today. Give us a like, give us a follow, subscribe, and drop a review and help other like-minded business owners find value from our awesome guests while we rise up in the podcast rankings. We will sincerely appreciate every single one of you for it. And if you want to be a guest on the show, we'd love to have you on and learn from you as well. Go to www.businessbros.biz slash podcast guest and schedule your time slot. And don't forget to follow us on all our social media at Business Bros Pod. Ladies and gentlemen, we're super excited and so honored to bring yet another incredible guest, a couple of them, on the Business Bros Pod. Our guests today are award-winning musicians and entrepreneurial leadership experts who are passionate about entrepreneurial thinking and showing business how to lead successfully in dynamic environments. This dynamic duo started their journey into entrepreneurship with just 31 cents to their name. And through the course of their story, they have launched and grown businesses so successful that they've now traveled to 43 countries to share their inspirational story. Uniquely, they teach business owners how to grow their bottom line organically by focusing on writing the business owner's internal compass, helping them find value-driven purpose, and leveraging the business's organizational talent to create a competitive advantage. Man, we cannot wait to hear this story. Joining us today from the DEO Entertainment Group. Welcome to the authors of 31 Cents to 43 Countries, Dr. Dina Preston Ortiz and Don Ortiz. Thank you all. Yeah, there you go. There you go. See, shots fired and everything. We're ready to rock and roll today. Dina, Don, I'm I'm looking forward to having a conversation with you guys. First of all, uh, congratulations on everything that you guys have accomplished. Uh, you know, if you guys, uh, Thank you know, you. those of you listening, get a get a chance to pick up their book. It's a great read. It's got, uh, I mean, it's not. It's very story oriented. So you guys got a lot of cool stories. Uh, and I want to get into one of the first ones. I always ask my guests, you know, how'd you get started? But one thing that I pulled from your book is you started off in Fisherman's Wharf trying to pick a spot to play a guitar, just street musicians. And to where you've gone today, I want to I want to hear from your guys' words. What was that like? And 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 what was the, what's the journey been like? Oh, hey, thank you. Um, appreciate that. <laughs> so actually, I started um, on Fisherman's Wharf uh, in front of Ripley's, believe it or not. And that was my fo- first exposure to business. And what I learned about being a street musician, especially out on, on the wharf, is that um, you need to make sure you pick the best spot to make the most money, right? Location, location, location. You mm-hmm. have to please a lot of people, demand in order to get the money in. So as a cable car turnarounds uh, went around, um, you had to be able to pick the right songs so that people would drop money into your case. 
and there was a lot of competition. And so some of the older competition or more seasoned competition out there um, would not let the newer um, street musicians in. So they sort of would muscle you out if you didn't follow the protocols and the values and the norms of, of street uh, performing. So I actually did that um, with a friend of mine um, on Fisherman's Wharf, and I didn't meet Don until later. I met him uh, uh, later after I started my country rock band in San Diego. So I started in the 1980s, and we were an award-winning band in San Diego, and uh, we had an agent out of Minnesota pick us up. And on the road, I lost a guitar player, and I went back to my uh, hometown of Phoenix and met my husband, Don. And, 31 cents later, we now have a, a working band and an S-Corp, and we perform live. We've worked for the Department of Defense. we worked for the U.S. State Department. And in addition to, of course, uh, performing live music for corporation and Fortune 500 companies, we also speak um, um, on um, entrepreneurship and management and leadership. Um, yeah, so it's been really a great ride. It's, yes, it has Don, it's a different point of view that you guys have. I mean, going from the whole uh, concept of being in a band to talking about entrepreneurship, uh, you know, people don't think of those two as one and the same, even though we clearly say it all the time, it's show business, right? Everybody only Correct. focuses on the show. Nobody ever really pays much attention to the business aspect of that. But in order for you to be able to travel, to make ends meet, to grow a family, like all those things require success at some point in the business side of show business. What was what, what was your experience like in getting to know that aspect of your band? Well, you know, it's it, it, people don't realize, you know, actually I met Dina through her voice first. Uh, I had somebody show me a cassette tape and said, look, this girl can really sing. They got a lot of contracts. Uh, there's something special uh, about her. And so, you know, here it is that moved, moved on and went forward, of course. Um, and who would think that, uh, you know, th from 31 cents to 43 countries, uh, that that is all that has taken place. So much of it was happening through historical moments that we actually had to write a book and tell people about the different stages of our success, uh, our planning, and how we were able to pivot and turn and stay successful for over 31 years. And I think too that we forget about in show business that we learned pretty early. I know I did because I had a son to take care of, which meant you know I need to make sure I have food on the table and a roof over our head. And that is one, look at your numbers. Numbers don't lie. So you have to understand finance immediately. Um, and secondly, you need to know how to market. And those two things have to work together. And if you're not doing those two things successfully, you're probably going to be having challenges and issues. A lot of people understand the marketing end of it, the branding, the image, but they don't get the numbers. And numbers are really important. Numbers don't lie. Well, there's, there's a difference between marketing and actually making a sale, right? Like you can put your music out there all you want. Well, you know, back in the 80s, 90s, even early 2000s, you know, putting out music and having that distribution channel was very yeah. crucial in, in growing your popularity, right? You didn't have the distribution channels that we have today, for example, for, you know, just getting right. your music out. So it was a little bit different. You had to establish relationships beyond yeah. just you know, putting a, a, a nice logo together and, you know, slapping it on a t-shirt or something. Uh, what did you learn when it came to building those relationships to help you with your marketing and, and closing those sales so that you could do what you love to do every single day? So I, I'll share a couple, then I'm going to hand it over to Don, but I can tell you first and foremost, you have to be authentic with your customers. So authentic 
is really important. You have to make sure that you are providing a top-notch service at all times and the customers always come first. So if you do that, if you're authentic, if you provide an excellent um, product or service, then you're going to start building those relationships because your customers can trust you. And Don's great. I mean, Don's great with our clients. He's with them 24-7. So Yeah, I'm, I'm basically with the client from the first phone call uh, right up to the time where we're walking through the event, looking at the event uh, to make sure everything is picture perfect for them. So it's actually turnkey. So it's going to be over and beyond because sometimes they don't understand all the other logistics that go on behind the scenes to make their event successful. So they can actually sit down and enjoy it. And so can the other people in the room. Now, let's let's talk about, you know, that customer experience, making sure that it's a, a, a customized for each individual person. I, I was I was uh, I was going through your book and there was a scenario where you got a gig in Sonora, Mexico, and uh, you were excited, but you kind of jumped the gun and, yeah. and I'll let you guys tell the story, but you kind of basically understood some cultural differences in dealing with people as your band grew to be able to go to multiple countries. Uh, can you speak to that on, you know, that whole customer experience and dealing with people in, in other countries? Sure. Right. So one of the challenges uh, when you're working in multiple countries is that there's different approaches uh, to timing. And in the United States, we're very, I would say, a personality oriented. We respond to emails within 24 hours. If you respond less than 24 hours, that's a problem for us. Um, showing up on time to an event is a problem. You need to be there 15 to 20 minutes early. In fact, we're 30 minutes early before an event starts. But when you go into other cult cultures, timing is different. Um, it's not always standardized like it is here in the United States. Um, in, in countries like Latin American countries that Within Latin America, it's very flexible. And so we had um, an offer to go and do a big concert um, in Mexico. Sure. And um, we jumped the gun. I went directly to the Mexican consulate because one, I didn't know who, who these people were that were asking us. We wanted to make sure that the company was legitimate. And that put them sort of, it made them um, sort of disconnect with us because it made them feel like they couldn't trust that, like we didn't trust them. Mm -hmm. um, we live in Arizona, Phoenix. We're, we're like two hours from the border. What we should have, three hours from the border. What we should have done is gotten in the car, driven across uh, Nogal to Nogales and made an appointment to have lunch with them as opposed to um, connecting with the consulate right away. As a result of that, they backed away from us on what could have been a lucrative tour. Um, you know, not so much. We, we were never able to sort of repair that relationship. So that's a, that's a great example. So you have to understand what the norms are, the values, timing, language, um, when you move into a, a culture that is different than yours. Absolutely. And we've had that happen, whether we've been in Germany or uh, in Turkey and in Jordan. So, you know, you have to understand the other cultures and communication is key, of course. And, um, you know, like Dina said, sometimes that it might take a while for them to re-communicate with you. Uh, when you're used to getting a fast feedback in 24 hours, it might take them a week or so. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so we've we've had countries where we are actually uh, getting passports as we are at the airport from, <laughs> you know, Jesus. from. Yeah. And we're trying to get into a country. One That's thing. not how it works. That's not how any of this works. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> One of the things that's been helpful to us that we've learned through the years is once you establish that initial relationship, then you as a team, as two different teams from two different countries, can come in and establish your norms. So maybe you're not quite, you know, responding in 24 hours and they're not quite waiting maybe a week or two to respond back. But you as a team have developed a way to communicate that works for both of you. So maybe it's 
you know, three to five days. And, and that's an accepted time period. So as you um, develop those relationships and you develop the trust, then as a team, you can come in and decide how you want to deal with some of those differences in cultures. And that's that's super valuable to know right now, especially, you know, in the post-COVID world that we're living in. Uh, you know, there's a lot of, of course, you know, people get sick and there's a lot of downside to it, but there's so many upsides that have happened because of COVID. Yeah. Things uh, like, I mean, we're able to connect with people all over the world. So understanding yeah. those cultural differences is absolutely vital in a world that we live in. It's, it's almost like the world got smaller all of a sudden, right? In, in a matter of a, a couple of months. Now, you you were talking about, we were talking about uh, cultural differences, but you had to make a shift. Uh, You guys, you guys had a a child, you were raising a family, all of a sudden you can't travel as much as you used to. You shifted over to a uh, a corporate type of gigs. Now, corporations have their own cultures as well. Different different situations in there. So what did did you learn from, you know, traveling the world to now dealing with corporate America or corporate uh, uh, gigs? We actually started with corporate gigs first. So the corporate the corporate gigs actually trained us to, to be able to travel, to be able to be picked up by government entities like the Department of Defense Overseas shows, the USO shows. Um, that They actually came up and they saw us at a corporate event and they were so impressed by our professionalism, which we learned yeah. by doing corporate gigs, that they picked us up. And from the, and from the Department of Defense, we were then picked up by the State Department um, because of our experience working with a government entity. So... Yeah. They trained us well. Yeah. So, you know, uh, from doing interviews to also working with those identities and contracts, uh, because you got to remember those were virtual alignments uh, way before virtual alliances were really happening, actually. You know, so we were on that cutting edge of the virtual alliance happening. Yeah. We started like in the what early 19. Remember Don bringing home the first DOS computer and I was furious because it cost as much as a mortgage. And he's like, this was like 1990. And he's like, Dina, this is going to change what we're doing. This is going to allow us to connect. And all I could think about was, remember about finance? I said how important that is. And all I'm thinking about is how we are going to pay this off. This is going to take us months to pay this off. But he was right. And we started working across the globe as a result of having that computer. And that was a green screen back then. Remember? Yeah. Wow. Oh man, I, I remember the first computer we got in our house. We didn't even know how to work it. Like you, right. you had to put discs in the drive to like get it to start, and it was Bobby it was DOS. Did. Yeah, right. it was DOS, right? And it, the funniest thing was, I remember thinking, "Well, that was a giant paperweight." Like <laughs> that's all it was, yeah. it was a big old massive thing. Uh, later, it turned out, you know, James ended up getting into computers. Our and computers was was one of the first businesses we ever started. So you know, things kind of work out the way they do. And now we hold the power of a computer in the palm of our hand. So oh, everything's yeah. getting, getting ridiculously crazy. Right. Uh, I, I want to know how you guys transition. You've never left the stage, first of all, right? You've, you've been on stage for many, many years. Uh, and I can't say you've put down the instruments because I'm sure a musician is always going to be a musician. But you did kind of make a shift in what you're focusing on from the show to the business part of of what you guys are doing and you're helping other entrepreneurs. What was that shift like? So actually Don um, is responsible for that. And we just consider it a different product line, service line. So we're always, live music is always a go for us. But in addition to that, he said, hey, Dina, we're um, the State Department. Once I got my doctorate and um, a friend of ours at the State Department, a colleague um, said, hey, would you be interested in in, uh, lecturing and doing some entrepreneurial classes? And I said, of course, I do that all day long at the college. 
And so when we got back, Don's like, Dina, why aren't we doing this? If we're, if we're doing this type of work, providing workshops and keeping Yeah, we're speaking. speaking overseas. How come we're not doing it here for our corporates and, uh, and, and, and meeting professionals internationals? Yeah. Ding! So, Light bulb, yeah. right? So he thought, <laughs> he saw it before I did. And he's like, why are we not taking, why are we not taking advantage of that in the private, in the private uh, world of business? And it made sense to us. And that's why we wrote the book, because you can't do that kind of work without a book. And so that the book is really your calling card for that. Um, so that was a switch. And he had the foresight to see it. And we're so glad. And along with the book, we did the album, which connects with the book. So when COVID hit, we were ready. We, we had to speed things up a little bit. But as a result of that, we had another product line and service that we could do. Because as you know, live music is so we were able to pivot. Still. Where most people were standing still and saying, I don't know what to do. We had a product line that was coming out that we just finished, just had an album finished. Uh, the book uh, was about to be uh, placed out. And then we also had an album that we had finished that also coincides the book for the audio side of it. So it really just like timing. So like when we do our work with the State Department, um, oftentimes we then can keynote during the day for a convention, right, or a workshop, and then at night we can do the performance. And so now we're getting double bang for our buck, and they're getting double bang for their buck, right? They're getting more yeah. out of this than just a normal band. Exactly, because they're going to book a speaker anyway for that event and then usually have entertainment that night. What better way to have your entertainment and the speakers be the same package? Yeah. I'm your huckleberry. It works out. It works out perfectly, right? Great, great, right. Walk me, walk me through your book writing process. I mean, there's so many stories that you could have put in the book. Traveling the world, meeting new people. I mean, there's so much that goes on in the in the average person's life. Not to mention the ones who travel to 43 countries. Uh, you know, how how do you narrow down what goes into the book? And how did you did you you also happen to make not just stories of what happened as a as as a band and, and and, and what's going on, but also give it a, a business and entrepreneurial outlook to help guide people at the same time. So we always knew we wanted to write a business book. Um, and Don had been after me because I'm already published. I'm an academic publisher author. So I've already been in, in journals and I, I'm used to writing. Damn! <laughs> so absolutely don kept after me dina we got to write the book we need the book for the keynote speaking i was saying don no one's interested in our story no one cares but then i'm part of meeting professionals international and everybody's like don i've heard your stories when are you going to write the book it, mm -hmm. you should be speaking about this to everybody and then it like really hit me that we need to do this and really turn on the light to other people passing that baton and getting them to have that that special moment, that thing go, I can do this. So we started with an outline. When, when I decided to write the book, we started with an outline. I always knew I wanted to um, incorporate all the business information and all business theory that I already know um, into our experiences. And my first path, and then we, so we wrote an outline. I wrote the book with Don because he's a great storyteller. And we had a book reading team. And so we sent it to our book reading team and they sent it back and said, wow, you are putting us to sleep. Yeah, well, that's why that's why I asked them to do it. I was writing it like I would write an academic journal article, which is fine if you're not, you know, you're an academic, but it's not OK if you're trying to get through something interesting. So um, book recommended that we tell the stories, which worked great. And then we could add the business information 
that we that we share in the story at the end. And, and we've been getting really great feedback. Yeah, because people really like the takeaways after each chapter because it gives you not only insight to why you we told this story, but what you're actually taking away and that you can apply to your business or yourself or anything that you're doing. And that's really the key. I think it allows, and you've read it, so you can share with us. I think it allows you to take the journey with us. And at the same time, it's a learning tool. Yeah. And uh, you call them hardcore tips in the book, right? And so those are really good. I mean, if, if, if anything else, if you just go through the hardcore tips, they're already enough valuable information just in those sections alone. Uh, Mm -hmm. And, and taking the stories and applying those, they almost like, um, you know, in, in teaching, it's always the checking for understanding, right? So you want to make sure that you understand what's going on and a story helps you do that. These are the hardcore points, but because they're embedded in the story, now I can recognize Oh, that was the situation when, and and it, it kind of goes hand in hand for each uh, each different chapter. So those those are great adaptations to to the book. Plus, every chapter ends with a picture, which was kind of cool too. Kind of seeing, you know, you have your own visual of what goes on, but then at the end you see this picture, you know, you guys on stage and and you know people lined up or whatever's going on uh, in that particular chapter. So it kind of adds that extra element to it. So it was really cool to have uh, those two features in there. Thank now you. you yeah. So you, you mentioned something that was kind of critical here. When, when COVID hit, people had to shift uh, and you used your book as your, as your tool. And Dina, you said something important. You were like, nobody wants to hear my story, right? That was something that you were thinking up front at the beginning. Right. And, and this is something that I try to try to tell people all the time. I'm like, look, ever since we, ever since the human, you know, was around, right? The caveman days, the only way we passed on any information was through story today we're getting bombarded by stories and the ones that are good will rise to the top, but you don't know what people will like unless you put it out there. Uh, and I, what I'm, what I want to know is after you finally got convinced to do it and you, and you wrote the book and you've, and you've been putting it out there and sharing it with people, what kind of responses are you getting now? And what would you tell Dina at the beginning when she was like, nobody wanted to hear my stories? Uh, well, that, we've been really blessed and the responses have been excellent. So if you go on um, Amazon on our book site, um, you can you can read the reviews yourself. But we've been really blessed so far. I think we have 34 reviews, five star, and people have been sharing a lot of information, how it's touched their lives. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of military personnel, because we've performed for a lot of military, um, a lot of uh, people in um, in college and university level, and a lot of students are going in there as well, small as well as entrepreneurs. Yeah, as well as uh, the vice president, uh, like Lee Jeans. Yeah. You know, so we've had uh, a lot of people read it and say, you know, I never knew that you guys did a lot of these things. <laughs> I've seen pictures and it looks great, but I never knew the backstory. You know, uh, so they were able to connect with that a lot more. Uh, than they had in the past and found out how much a lot of people forgot that music business is a music business. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's the thing you take away from this. And I think I would have told myself the earlier, Dina, is exactly what you shared, how powerful storytelling can be to to learn and to teach. And so um, I think if I told myself earlier that, that it's a teaching tool, I would have been more I would have been willing to do it quicker. Ah, the framing. It always comes back to framing, right? You got to frame it the right way. If you've been married for any amount of time, been with my wife almost 20 years, I know that if in, in order to get what I want, I need to frame the question correctly. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, it's not going to work. All right. Uh, 
So we live in the age of Spotify. We live in the age of TikTok. And these are the new, some of the newest platforms that people are distributing a lot of their music by. Uh, we're, we're also living in the era of maybe it'll just go viral and that'll be my magic uh, pill for success. Uh, what advice are, can you give young musicians and young entrepreneurs who are out there trying to get their name out, trying to build uh, their, their brand or, their, or get their music out? Uh, when things have kind of shifted, now they have the freedom of di of distribution, but now they lack some of those uh, work ethics. I guess you would call it that would go in hand in hand uh, back in the day. Yeah, I just I'm gonna this first and say that remember that music is a business, and we decided many 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 years ago that although we write um, original music and we share it, we include it in our shows, that's not where our money comes from. Our money comes from our live performances, our music, our album, and our book. Those are all calling cards. So it's almost like economics. That's what we use to bring our audiences in for the bigger pain um, um, live shows that we do. So that's where our money's at. It's in corporate work live shows and, and of course, um, touring. Um, so I would challenge any musician to think outside the box. You don't necessarily, if you want to make a living at this, do you really have the resources to go head to head with Rihanna? Do you really have the resources to go head to head with musicians that have a huge record company behind them? And I'm not suggesting that you don't promote your original music. I'm suggesting that you think of another way, tap into another key resource that yeah. will make you money. Are you a niche? Do you have a special niche talent that makes you different and stand out from others? Uh, you know, know how to utilize your content. Uh, that's a big deal. Uh, right. Is it falling on deaf ears or is it actually working for you? If you're a songwriter, maybe it's not about getting the hit on Spotify or getting the hit on uh, TikTok. Maybe it's about selling your song into a movie or into TV rights, right? There's all kinds of way to make music and make money in music. And you have to find the right road and the right uh, strategy for what it is that you're good and you're talented at, right? Because you want to make the most of what you do and make the most of your talent. And so Let's that's take you... Let's take you back to uh, the streets of San Francisco, uh, and you're you're just trying to get started. You don't know where this is going to take you. You have a vision of where you want to go. You have this idea, this this grand idea of where you want to be, but you're not quite. I don't think you understand the work that's going to go into it to get there. Speak to those young ones that are started that uh, think instant gratification is the way of, of real life when it actually isn't, when we have to put that grind in. What's it like for a musician to get to a level where they've reached that success? Oh, my gosh. You can speak to it first just from practicing. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, you go from being a musician, basically, to being a manager, and then you become the agent because you're booking your band. Then you become the manager, and over that you have maybe you have to book the band, own the PA system, own the lights. You have to have all the relationships with all the agents. It's a lot of work. And you have to practice. I mean, you're still a musician, so you have to be delivering outstanding quality music, which means you could be practicing anywhere from two to three hours a day just on your craft, right? If you're a guitarist and on, as a guitarist, and then you have to practice with the musicians that you're working with. We're talking, you know, I remember my dad um, walking with me on the streets in San Francisco, going to see me bust. And we, he spent a whole day out there with me. He was on vacation. And when we were done, he just, I remember him getting on mute, shaking his head and going, you guys are crazy. I, <laughs> why would you spend so much time for so little money? 
And it's like, it's because dad, that's what I'm passionate about. And, and I have to hone my craft, I have to get excellent at my craft. This is learning. This is a building process for me. And as you learn and you build and you get better and you continue to educate yourself and make your talent better, right? Don't ever be satisfied with your talent. I was a good singer, but I wasn't a professional singer when I started. I had to go back to school to learn how to sing professionally. I had to go back to school and get my MBA so I could learn how to do business correctly. And, um, and we see also a lot of people get comfortable because they might be getting the numbers and things they want. And then they get comfortable with it. And all of a sudden they're like, wow, I just fell off the face of the earth. The rug gets pulled out. Your client goes away. The client is no longer there. Um, we had a huge uh, resort client for 10 years that um, actually shut down. They decided to move the company and we lost hundreds of thousands of dollars and we were not ready for it. We literally got a phone call that said we're closing in two weeks. And we got so comfortable early on that we didn't even... We didn't even consider. No, nope. nothing in the well, pipe would be forever. Yeah, we thought it would be forever. Where were we wrong? That was an eye opener. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it gets some scary times. Look, you know, hours and hours and hours of practice, not just in your in your in what you love, not just in the music. Hours and hours of practice and learning what you were yep. talking about, managing, you know, all uh, dealing with people and customers and client relationships. Matt, Malcolm Gladwell has a book called Outliers, and in it he talks about the ten thousand hours for you to become a professional and it requires that much time. And I don't think people quite understand that, you know, and I, I always relate it to podcasting. They're like, Oh, you're good at interviewing people. Oh, you have so much energy. I go, well, go listen to episode one. Cause I guarantee you it did not sound like that, right? You're getting better and better each and every time, as long as you show up and you do what you need to do. Uh, and guys, uh, I want you to, if, if anybody wants to, to book your band, if anybody wants to get any information on working with you guys, can you, uh, can you let the audience know uh, orally so that, you know, the listening audience can hear you? How can they get a hold of you? Sure. They can get a hold of his at dinaprestonband.com. That's D-I-N-A-P-R-E-S-T-O-N band.com. And then, of course, deospeaks.com. If you'd like Dean and I to speak at your conference or an event, uh, we'd love to do that as well. And then we also have our book, 31 Cents to 43 Countries, Hardcore Tips to Increasing Profits, avail available on Amazon. Guys, check it out. It's a fun read. You learn some stuff. You get you get to know uh, Dean and Don here. They they some great stories on what they've gone through in their lives and, and some great lessons to learn. I always talk about how, you know, it's, it's one thing for you to have to experience something. It's another to learn from other people's experiences, right? right. The difference between, between being smart and being a genius, right? So, so you guys have already gone through so much and you're willing to share that with other people, it'd be a loss for somebody to not take in that experience, especially if you're going to go through that whole process of building a band. You want to get into music. You want to get into this whole showbiz space. Understand the show. Understand the business from people who've already done it. So, guys, yeah. thank you very much for thank hopping you. on the show with me today. What's your head? Awesome. You kidding? And to your audience, to the listeners. <laughs> yeah, all your listeners. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Happy New Year to a brighter New Year to everybody Arizona, out there. Feliz Navidad. And uh, we wish you many holiday blessings. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys very much. All right, ladies and gents, remember it is SHIT. So happy it's Thursday. Have a great rest of your Thursday <laughs> afternoon. We will see you again next time. Peace. Take care, everybody. Peace, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Business Bros Podcast. Are you looking to get more clients or to increase your income? 
Hernan, the business bro, can help you generate referrals through the power of podcasting. And James, the insurance bro with Pipeline Insurance, can help you effectively add insurance to your existing business. If you are ready to create wealth today and generational wealth for tomorrow, email businessbros at csfirst.com to schedule a free consultation or join the Business Bros Network, www.businessbros.biz.